This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And it's going to be a pretty nice day, as Wyatt just said. How nice is it going to be? What are your plans? Well, I can't think of a better person to ask than TMJ4 meteorologist Brendan Johnson. And Brendan, i got to ask you, you know, what are some of your favorite summertime activities? Uh, Libby, uh, I would say getting out in the pool would be uh, one of those Ooh. things. Uh, that's what pool? I like to do in the summer. You have a pool? Uh, not anymore. Oh. The folks do <laughs> back home. But that is something I do like to do, and I will be paying some visits to that. I, I was, I was going to say, I was wondering, boy, do they pay you that much that you can have a pool? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> not quite yet. Not quite yet. Yeah, you'll get there. All right, so, Brendan, a lot of people, I mean, I'm seeing people with those fishing boats on the back of their, their, their trucks and things here as I'm coming in early in the morning. Are people mm. putting their boats out on these lakes? And is it too soon, in your opinion? You know, it certainly seems like there are some folks that are doing that. Uh, you know, we do have a camera here at the Port Washington Marina. You know, still some boats that are still docked up for the season. You know, if you were just doing some fishing, depending on how calm it is out there, might not be too early. I will say I'm not a fisher, but I will say uh, the water temperatures are still in the 40s. So it is still pretty chilly. Definitely got to be safe out there if you are going to be out in the water. Oh, now is that on the smaller lakes too, or is that just on Lake Michigan? Definitely on some of the smaller lakes, too. They're still pretty chilly. We are still probably a little too early in the season before those, you know, water temperatures get, you know, up into the upper 50s, the 60s. Uh, But uh, those uh, waters all across southern Wisconsin, much of the Badger State, really, uh, still a little bit too chilly, even though we're heading into late May. So you would recommend, if you're going out on one of those boats, you better take a life preserver along with you and be ready. You know, I mean, nobody wants to fall in, but just in case. Yeah, absolutely. And it is uh, national. We're heading into National uh, Boating Safety Week. So, uh, yeah, life preservers always a must uh, and definitely want to have all that gear uh, to stay safe. You know, another thing that I'm wondering, too, is we've been hearing about these fires up in what is it, Canada? Mm. Is that why Mm. we're getting so hazy today? Yeah, it actually is, Libby. You know, yesterday we got a little nice break from it. Uh, We had a clear blue sky, but the smoke back today, uh, that northwest wind aloft is kind of dragging some of that smoke through the area. So actually looking at satellite and radar right now, most of the... um, Smoke is actually positioned over northeastern Wisconsin, so Green Bay, even uh, probably the northern chunk of Lake Oshkosh, uh, is seeing a little bit more of that smoke. Uh, Milwaukee down to the state line had it a bit earlier this morning, but it has since kind of cleared out. So expect to see a little bit more haze out there today, even tomorrow potentially, uh, but at least a lot of that smoke is going to stay aloft. Last question, Brendan. Um, We had that pneumonia front. I see that we're going to have falling temperatures on Wednesday. Tell us, please. We're not in for another one of those, are we? You know, we might be hard-pressed to get the criteria for it. So, you know, that's a 16-degree drop in an hour. That (sighs) might not happen with Wednesday's front. But you bring up a good point, Libby. It's still going to be warmer in the morning on Wednesday. That 63 I got on the Storm Team forecast, that's probably going to be before sunrise. Once that front comes through, you're looking at the 50s, maybe during the middle of the afternoon. So just need folks to be aware. Oh, time to wear a sweater. Hey, Brendan Johnson from TMJ4. It's over. Always great to have you here. Great to be here, Libby. You take care. Thank you. It is 8-11. Now, if you've ever made a move, and I've done a few of them in my day, something always goes wrong. But we're going to have consumer expert Michelle Ryan in here, and she's going to tell you what to do if you think you have a problem, and also how to know whether or not your mover is legit. And trust me, there are some out there that aren't. Also, Lisa Schiller from the Better Business Bureau is here. She has advice for small business owners dealing with deadbeat accounts. And if you're a small business owner, you know what that's like. And she's going to tell you how you can get them to pay. Also, Matt Miller's going to be here with a big movie openings here as we're getting close to the holiday weekend. And also, there's a very special movie that's opening for the kids. We'll tell you about that one. Also, Mark Cass has news about when Kohl's is going to open their store downtown. Um, I, I was under the weather this week. So I, I wasn't in the office for a couple days. And that meant... I stayed at home and I watched a lot of TV and scrolled a lot of internet. And it just so happened, it was the day the news broke 
about Prince Harry and his wife and their latest adventure. We're going to have some thoughts about that a little bit later on. Also, uh, we're going to have some outtakes from our conversation with former Governor Scott Walker. Wyatt Barmore-Pooley is in the newsroom. Isaac's here pushing those buttons. And in just two minutes, it's Dominic Catronio in sports. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It is 61 degrees at 813 on WTMJ. The Brewers' road woes continue down in Tampa Bay, taking on the Rays. They fall 8-4 to four in Game 2 of this three-game series. Now, the Brewers have lost seven of their last nine series overall after winning five of their first six. Here's manager Craig Council. We're in a good position. We've had some adversity. Um, that's how a season works, um, and, and it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to go through this stretch with, with who we got, and, and that's... That's not at full strength, um, but that's that's the way that's the way it's going to go. The Brewers will try to salvage the finale today with Freddie Peralta taking the ball. Coverage starts at 12:05 right here on WTMJ. In the NBA playoffs, the Denver Nuggets have taken a commanding 3-0 series lead over the Lakers with a 119-108 final from the Crypto.com Arena. Jamal Murray, once again, the story. Murray inside, double team spins, flips it up and in. Jamal Murray with a couple of buckets here in the fourth. Mike Breen on the call from ESPN. Murray finished with 37 points, his second consecutive 30-point performance. Game 5 will be on Monday night from Los Angeles. Tonight, you've got the Celtics and the Heat down in South Beach. Game 3 of that series with Miami currently leading 2-0 against Boston. Tip-off is set for 7.30. How about the NHL playoffs? After a four-overtime matchup between the Panthers and the Hurricanes in Game 1, they go back to overtime again for Game 2. And once again, Matthew Kachuk, the winner. Get it with the puck. Get it. Cross ice. Kachuk scores! He does it again! Matthew Kachuk, a minute 51 seconds into overtime. A quick exit down the runway. Kenny Albert on the call on TNT. It's now a 2-0 series lead for the Florida Panthers as their miracle run continues in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Tom. It's 8-17. Looks like we're going to get into the 70s today. I'm going to have your forecast. And also, Mark Cass is coming up. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. As Brenda Johnson was just telling us a few minutes ago, we do have that hazy sunshine today. It's all because of those fires up in Canada. We'll get up to about 76, though. Pretty nice. Then tonight, clear down to 53. Tomorrow, more of that haze, but still some sunshine to look forward to. About 72 if you're close to the lake. 78 going inland. And then on Tuesday, more sunshine and 76. Wednesday's a day we're kind of keeping our eye out. Uh, It'll start out sunny and kind of warm. And then it's going to start with some spotty showers and Falling temperatures, we're only going to get up to 63 degrees on Wednesday and then dropping. Uh, Thursday's a chilly day as well, 61 for a high, but at least it's going to be a little bit sunny. Right now in Port Washington, we have 59 degrees. Brookfield is at 60. Oak Creek has 61, and we have 61 degrees at WTMJ at 820. And it's time to turn it over to Wyatt Barmore-Pooley with Mark Cass in the WTMJ Newsroom. Thanks, Libby. And we are joined by the Milwaukee Business Journal's Mark Cass. We now have a timeline on when the new Kohl's store will open in downtown Milwaukee. Mark, what is the schedule and what will the new store mean to the West Town area of downtown Milwaukee? really a huge thing here. I mean, this has been talked about for about a year now, but to see this thing actually starting construction, which has happened over the past couple of weeks, and it will now open in fall. So you're probably talking about the October-ish time period. They want it open in time for the holiday season, which means a great impact in that area. The thing I've talked about a lot is what it'll mean to the West Town area, and that's energy and activity. You've seen a lot of things already happen there with the MSO project, with the expansion of the convention center, with uh, Milwaukee Tool moving down there with 1,200 employees, and with other companies coming down there. You're seeing a lot of activity now with the market hall and what's going on there. So adding a 
a store like this, what it brings is really good. It's also for those of us who've lived here a while, it's a flashback to what was there before when we had a you know large store on the end of each end of the mall that kind of drove traffic for that area. So this is a big deal and one that will kind of happen over the next few months and we'll see it happen. And I think long term, this is great for that area. Turning from looking forward to the holiday season to baseball season, baseball. elected officials <laughs> are trying to figure out a plan to fund up to $300 million in improvements at American Family Field. There's talk about using yep. the proceeds from the jock tax in Wisconsin. How much do pro players pay in taxes each year? Could that be part of the financing package for this project? Yeah, this is really something that's interesting and something that was looked at during the arena thing a few years ago, and that is that athletes who play here actually also have to pay income taxes here. So it's about $12 million a year. So how can that be used to help this project? And it's always around $12 million or so right there. So, I mean, is there a way to kind of work this in? Because it's clear right now that what was brought up earlier this year is not going to happen. So they're looking at the city and the county to help in terms of the state is. We haven't seen a lot of acceptance there. So they have to be creative and come up with how can they make this work? Because the thing I hear over and over again is why are we helping these millionaires who could afford this themselves? I think that's kind of a narrow view to look at this. You have to look at the economic impact. You have to look at what they mean to the region. And is there a creative way to do this? One thing I've been saying over and over again is I expect it'll happen. I just think it's going to be controversial for a while. And they're going to have to come up with a plan that's going to convince some of our legislators who are from Hurley, from La Crosse, who are from outstate to vote for this to help Milwaukee. So I don't think it's going to happen soon. I think it'll probably happen over the next couple of months. Hopefully it'll get done. But the importance of this to the region cannot be overstated because if the Brewers would leave at some point, it would be awful for the region. So you had the chance to go to Chicago on Wednesday to see Visit Milwaukee's takeover of Chicago Union Station. What was the purpose and what was the reaction from train travelers there? That was kind of a fun day for me. I got to ride the Amtrak down there, you know, really nice for those people who've done it. It's $25 each way. It's easy to get down there. I was able to get there quickly. Hour and 20 minutes, you're down there. And I walk into the station and all of a sudden in the Grand Hall, for those of your listeners who have been down there and kind of know where it is, it was all dressed up to be Milwaukee. They had large signage. They had a lot of our things that we know here in terms of Summerfest, Pottawatomie, Travel Wisconsin. They were all there. They were having fun. They were handing out food. They were handing out prizes. They were really trying to get a lot of the people who travel in and out of that station. And that is a big one to spend time in Milwaukee, to travel to Milwaukee, to show them how easy it is. And what this means to Milwaukee is that I think, I'm not sure everybody realizes this, but a good amount of people from Chicago travel to Milwaukee every month, every year, and spend money here, whether it's in our hotels, in our restaurants, our stores, you know, whether it's just Milwaukee or anywhere in the region, here they spend a lot of money. So to get more people to come here and to show them how easy it is through the Amtrak, where it's, again, an hour and 20 minutes, $25 each way, I think was a great idea. When you went down there, you had a lot of fun. There was a lot of noise. There was a lot of activity in the room. Really good reaction, but it'll be interesting to see for the next 12 months, will we see an increase for the Amtrak and spending from Chicago in our area? Because it can only help our region. I'm with you, Mark. I'm also a big fan of the Hiawatha train down to Chicago. You are. It's, it's super you, convenient. You know, it's super easy. I mean, I was just amazed. Well, weren't you? You could get on there. You could work. All right. So more apartments planned for Drexel Town Square and yeah. Oak Creek. What are the details there you can give us? And is there going to be enough demand to fill them? Interesting there. For those people who remember that area, the Drexel Town Square is just, over the past few years, it's just become a great area. You have apartments, you have restaurants, you have the Oak Creek Library and City Hall there. It's become this really, really great place down there. And so now they've had so much happen there that they're now looking at adding more apartments, about 300 more apartments, about a $100 million project. You asked me, is there enough need for that? And I would say to you, I think so, because Oak Creek and Franklin are seeing a lot of growth. You're seeing from Oak Creek all the way to the state line, a lot of residential growth. And I think a lot of it is due to the fact that you saw a lot of companies who moved up out of early Illinois, who moved into Kenosha, whether it was Amazon, whether it was Uline, and all their workers want to live nearby. They want to live in the same state, you know, make it easier to get to work. So as I've talked about over the past couple of weeks, you're seeing a lot of residential growth in Kenosha, but you're also seeing it in Southern Milwaukee County and in Racine County as that growth kind of heads north. So yeah, I think there is demand there. I think it's a great area. It's right near the freeway. And as you look around the region in terms of growth areas, Oak Creek and Franklin are two of our hottest areas. All right, one more. The Milwaukee business Business Journal naming its 2022 Real Estate Project of the Year. Who took home the prize and what was that project's impact on the region? Quite a few to consider this year. We looked at a number of really good projects. You obviously have the one right next to you guys, the Third Street Market Hall, which has been a tremendous impact on the region. But the one we chose this year, the one that we talked about a lot, was the Ascent. And the Ascent is over here on Van Buren and Kilbourne, large apartment tower. But what makes it unique is it's Mass Timber, which is the only one in the area right now. It's one of the largest in the world. It is the largest in the country right now and has brought us international attention. We've had a lot of individuals who've come here from all over the world to see the building. We've also had the people who were the developers of it have traveled all over the world to talk about it. It's also on the high end of amenities and everything they do there. So what this project has meant to the region is one, it added a large structure, a large building with these unique units, but two, it brought us international attention for being leading edge. And you always want your city to be 
be known as that. So that's why it was there. But really, a lot of things happened in 22. Think back to what was open last year and what has meant to the region, whether it was the market hall, whether, again, it was the ascent. A lot of great things are happening in Milwaukee, and I think you're going to see a lot of it again in 23. We've been talking to Mark Cass. He is the editor-in-chief of the Milwaukee Business Journal, as we do every Sunday. Thanks for joining us, Mark. Always good to be here. Have a great week. And it's 826, and we have 61 degrees at WTMJ. We also have Wyatt Barmer pooling. Nice job with uh, Mark, but you forgot to ask him one question. What did I forget? Friday was his birthday. I did not know that. I did little sausages made. I did the interview on Thursday, so I wish I could have wished him a happy birthday. Yeah, well, you know what? For everybody out there, if you run into Mark Cass today, I know it's two days late, just wish him a happy belated. Let's let's just flood him with those with those greetings because he deserves it. He's a good guy. Yeah. You, you, I, you mentioned about uh, uh, taking the train into Chicago. I've done that. That is the easiest way to get into the city. Yeah, it's so I've done both the drive and <laughs> the uh, train and the drive isn't always awful, but it is the train is just so much better and it puts you right in the middle of downtown Chicago. So you oh, don't yeah. have to deal with the freeways getting into that part of the city. So you can get out literally steps from the station is the Sears Tower. Well, not only that, because parking is so expensive in downtown Chicago, your train ticket is cheaper, I think, than if you have to it's park twenty five bucks, day. as Mark said. It's yeah. just twenty five bucks yeah. each way. And and good luck with those parking prices down there too, uh, especially if you're going to a matinee. I love to go to the go to Chicago to see some of their matinees in the afternoon, and then you just get back on the train and you're back here a little bit around dinner time. All right, thanks a lot, Wyatt. You're going to be back with us at nine o'clock. As I said to uh, Isaac a little bit earlier, I, I was under the weather this week, so I spent a lot of time at home, which is always dangerous, with nothing to do. So that meant I watched television and I scrolled the internet. And and the story of the, the, the midweek was all about Prince Harry. And, and I, I, I guess I'm a little obsessed with it because I lived with it for two days this week. So we'll talk a little bit about that after 9 o'clock this morning. Sounds fun. It it is going to be fun. All right. uh, Let's see. We've got, oh, coming up next hour, too, or next half hour, we've got Matt Miller joining us. And he's got some great movies that are going to be opening in the next week, especially one for the kids. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Welcome back. I'm Libby Collins on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. It's 837. Well, you know, we're talking about pneumonia fronts, and there was a pneumonia front this week that sent a chill down southeastern Wisconsin spine. There's also a shared revenue movement and a disagreement in Madison, what else is new, and a whammy Hall of Famer in the house, and so much more. It's a Week in Review, sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. What we do here is go back, 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 back. back. Hey, uh, guys, I don't know if you heard. Oh, have you not heard? Christian Yelich. He might be back. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm back. The 0-1 delivery, a swing and a drive to right and deep and way, way out of here and gone for Christian Yelich. Runner goes. It's high throw through. Yelich is safe. The ball goes into center. Here comes Weimer to score. Is Yelich scampering to third? And he's there. Now the ball gets away. Yelich is streaking home. He is in. Get him a cup of water. And that's what I call a quality tour. Ukrainian troops push toward Bakhmut, taking back more territory from Russia in what could be the start of the long-anticipated spring counteroffensive. Took a little WTMJ field trip to one of our great partners here, Johnson & Sons. Scafidi at the controls of the excavator. Hard hats on. Police are investigating a deadly overnight crash that killed three teens and one child. The crash happened near 60th and Fond du Lac around midnight. Four people were thrown from one car after the vehicles collided. All were pronounced dead at the scene. It's the worst thing that could ever happen to lose multiple children and family at the same time on Mother's Day. A cold front called a pneumonia front will get to Milwaukee sometime this afternoon. A temperature drop of 20 degrees in less than an hour Tuesday caught some Wisconsinites by surprise. I'm feeling a little chilly today. Definitely wish I brought a jacket. <laughs> a now former MPS staffer is due back in court today. He was accused of sexually assaulting multiple students at a Milwaukee public school. We've made the state of Florida the place where woke 
goes to die. Now Disney announcing it is canceling plans to build a nearly $1 billion office campus in Florida. Here are the names chosen by the internets for the three chicks that were hatched at the Oak Creek Power Plant. Do you, do you have to play that? <laughs> yeah, it needs, it's going to run the whole time. Hope you like it. Ollie, in honor of Ollie the Owl from Waukesha Technical College. Ember, in honor of Ember the Firebird at Carthage. And then Bucky, in honor of Buckingham Badger. <laughs> You said you were interested oh in Falcons. Worse than an alarm club. <laughs> Ringtone available, Eric. <laughs> an update on search efforts for a person who went missing in the Sheboygan River yesterday. Fire officials say a body that was found in the river this morning is that of 25-year-old Lee Lore of Sheboygan. Harry and Megan in New York City for a charity event when they say members of the paparazzi chased them and Megan's mother through the streets for nearly two hours in a, quote, aggressive and near-catastrophic pursuit. Mayor Eric Adams. I find it hard to believe, but we will find out the exact duration of it. Ozaki County officials are now saying the historic Lake Church Inn in Belgium is a complete loss after a fire. Firefighters responding to the fire at the 160-year-old building late Tuesday afternoon and fought the fire until early this morning. Broken and charred wood, broken windows, pieces of insulation, and the kitchen sink. This is all that's left of the Lake Church Inn bar here in Belgium. The state assembly is poised to vote on a bill that would allocate more funding to local governments. We are done negotiating. We are not going to take changes. We are not going to change the bill substantially. None of us have seen the bill. This is not a train, I think, that's left the station. It's only left the one part of the of the journey here, and that's the assembly. This bill reminds me of when I was younger and I tried to get a piece of my grandmother's cake while it was still in the oven. She said, baby, it ain't even done yet. Took three shots at us. All three hit the tree. That's when Mequon PD say officers shot back at the suspect and killed him. Breaking news this afternoon. The Milwaukee County Medical Examiner's Office confirming a man was killed in a drive-by shooting near Teutonia and Atkinson. No other state has a TikTok ban as sweeping as what Montana will have in place. Experts say this law will face serious legal challenges. It's, with all respect to Montana, not necessarily the role of Montana to protect the national security of the United States of America. The great deal on the Hyundai you always wanted. Hyundai and Kia have agreed to a consumer class action lawsuit settlement worth more than $200 million. Willie Porter. We walked over to the Nomad to grab a drink. It's probably 6 o'clock in the evening and you walked by with your guitar and we're like, Willie! Right? And you said, hey! And like you signed our album. That's so cool. And then, no joke, about four hours later, Willie came walking back. We were still sitting there drinking beer like, Willie! <laughs> like, you guys are having a night. Surprised you recognized me at that point. What a week, eh? What a week. Ladies and gentlemen, The Weekend. And The Weekend Review is sponsored by Outdoor Living Unlimited. Well, if you've ever moved, you know it can be a challenge. We've got news for you right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I've had a couple of moves over the last couple of years, and it's not a picnic. And there are things you need to watch out for. Joining us is Michelle Reinen from DATCAP, talking about consumer rights and what you should look for when you're looking for a mover. And anybody who's been through it, we know there are things that can happen, Michelle. There are always things that can happen. And so we want to lower the stress level on the things that you can control. And the first thing is picking your moving company to make sure that you are getting a legitimate moving company as opposed to a fraudster or a scammer. And what I mean there is you want to avoid that person who requires a deposit and never shows up for the move or loads all your belongings into their truck and disappears and steals everything. Or if this may be worse yet or not, offers that low estimate before moving and then significantly raises the price after they've loaded everything. And if you don't pay, refuse to deliver your belongings. So scammers and fraudsters all in the mix in this one. And what should you ask when you're calling these movers and you're getting those estimates? First thing to look for if you're just searching movers out on the website is look for the actual address of the moving company, verify registration and insurance information. If that is posted or give a call, ask about it. If they can't provide that information to you, big red flag. The other thing to make sure you get is a written estimate. Don't just take a verbal quote. Get something in writing so you have documentation about the conversation. Now that's going to be what you contribute and say, 
say you have for belongings versus, you know, what you may actually have when they show up. So that written estimate's only going to represent that conversation and be sure that it does. But avoid being asked to sign blank documents. Be very concerned about a mover who shows up in a rented truck and can't explain why they don't have their own truck, why that's rented. There are some legitimate reasons, but you really want to understand and have solid answers on that. And don't ever pay large sums of money in advance before the move happens. You'll need a deposit, but don't pay the bulk of the money up front because you may never see the mover. As a consumer, do you have rights if your items are damaged during the move? You do, and a lot of that is going to depend on that insurance coverage and that documentation and what your agreement is. So again, get all of that in writing. And if you want to learn more, there are a great pamphlet and brochure out there by the U.S. Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration. You just need to go to protectyourmove.gov and you can understand all your rights and that will help guide you through that decision making process. And again, if you think you've got a problem with a mover, how do we get in touch with you? Call 1-800-422-7128 or our website is DATCP.com. It's 61 degrees at 847. You're a minute away from Dominic Catronio and Sports on WTMJ. From St. Petersburg, Florida, the Brewers failed to launch behind Eric Lauer in an 8-4 defeat against the Rays. They now drop the series after Lauer couldn't escape the fourth inning. Command plagued him in this loss as he was reinserted into the starting rotation out of necessity with all the injuries. Manager Craig Council. He faced 17 hitters. I think he threw five first pitch strikes. Um, that's just not enough. I mean, that's just starting starting every at-bat or most at-bats out in, in a hole, really. Um, and, and that they're definitely, you know, that's, that's the start of problems. On the flip side, Zach Eflin for the Rays. Didn't even have a single three-ball count in his entire outing. He earned the win. Today, first pitch is at 12.40. Our coverage will begin at 12.05. Freddie Peralta will take the ball for the Brewers before they return home tomorrow. In the NHL playoffs, another day, another overtime winner. Once again, it's Matthew Kachuk, but he's not the whole story. Sergei Bobrovsky, another incredible game between the pipes. Natchez keeps it away from Barkov. Across! Oh! What a stop by Bobrovsky! That call from Kenny Albert of TNT. After earning the win in four overtime on Thursday in which he stopped 63 shots, he stops 37 on Saturday night. Now, the Panthers have a 2-0 series lead. In the NBA playoffs, once again, it was all Jamal Murray. Murray inside, double-team spins, flips it up and in! Jamal Murray with a couple of buckets here in the fourth. Mike Breen's call on ESPN. Murray had 37 in the Nuggets' Game 3 win. They now have a commanding 3-0 advantage over the Lakers. Game 4 will be on Monday night in L.A. And good luck to the Milwaukee Admirals today as they will play a do-or-die Game 5 against the Texas Stars down in Cedar Park just outside of Austin. Winner will advance in the Calder Cup playoffs. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks a lot, Dominic. Well, if you're looking for some place to take the kids, the movie season is starting for the summer. Matt Miller can tell us all about it. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. Under the sea. I don't know if you want to go under the sea, but we've got some hazy sunshine today. We're going to get up to about 76 degrees. We have 61 at WTMJ right now. And we also have our good friend, Matt Miller, from OnMilwaukee.com. And I know it doesn't open until next week, but I love that movie. I used to, I, 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 you know, the original soundtrack, Matt, it was like one of my favorites. I used to play it in the car all the time. I don't think I had a kid at the time. <laughs> but I, I just I just love that soundtrack for it. And it's opening next weekend. Yeah. So I would ask the question, if if you love the original Little Mermaid, if you love the animated version, why do you want to see this live action one? Ooh, ooh, what a question. Except Disney wants to make more money, so they're taking all of their classic animation movies and they're turning them into live action because they can because of CGI, right? Yeah, and I, I know why Disney wants you to go see these movies <laughs> to me, um, but it, it's the same. I, 
I, I'm going, I'm preparing myself to be depressed a little bit when, Ooh. you know, these movies, these live action remakes have generally been pretty not great, especially the Lion King one that came out a few years ago that sucked all the joy, sucked all the personality, sucked everything out of, uh, just generally stunk uh, <laughs> when it came out in 2019. And this Little Mermaid one, I just, the, the beauty of the animation and how bright it is and how fun it is and how much that movie pops, the original Little Mermaid. And then you see the clips of this upcoming Little Mermaid and maybe it looks better in its full form on the big screen, but it just looks like mop water. It just doesn't have Did you just colors. say it looks like mop water? It <laughs> does. It looks dreary. It looks damp. And I know they're going to be like, oh, it's realistic. It's they're, they're under the water. Of course, there's no brightness under the water. Well, you know what? I saw Avatar, and that looked pretty realistic, too. <laughs> and you know what? It looked beautiful. It looked blue. It looked, I am here to see something beautiful on the big screen. I am not here to see a dreary darkly lit, dimly lit movie because of realism. It's a movie about singing singing flounders and a mermaid. Why are we doing realism? <laughs> singing flounders. I think you mean a seagull named Flounder. Uh, that, that's, yeah, part of me. Uh, you, you, yeah, you've got but, me depressed now. I don't even I mean, know if I want to see it. I mean, and that's what really frustrates me about these Disney movies. They have these great animated movies, and they are behaving like they need to be improved. They're behaving like, oh, they're animated. Something's wrong with them. We need to correct these with this live action. No, these were perfectly suited for animated movies. And if you're going to do a new version of these, really do a new version. Really create something new rather than just kind of, you know, putting a new, uh, new live-action sheen over pretty much the same movie and maybe making it like an hour longer for no reason. All right, well, let's talk about realistic movies. Like, is it Fast X or Fast 10? I can't figure it out. <laughs> it's both. Okay. The X is 10. Okay. Fast, <laughs> fast 10X. How about 10X? It sounds like a size at the big and tall store. I was going to say, I mean, Fast X also sounds like a laxative of some sort. Oh. It sounds like you find it next to gas. <laughs> well, is, you know that, is that the movie? <laughs> I mean, I have to unfortunately say I feel bad because I'm being a big downer today, but Fast X is pretty not good. Um, and I say this as somebody who's really enjoyed the Fast and the Furious franchise. It's been really fun. Fast Five was the peak. I, I enjoyed the cartooniness. But now it's it's just really kind of run out of gas, pun deeply intended. Uh, <laughs> this new one barely holds together as a movie. I mean, scenes just kind of end. Like, baseline plot development in this movie just doesn't happen. There are scenes that are just overtly not there for any purpose whatsoever that just exist just because, I don't know, a famous person happened to be on set. Um, and I, I will let people know this right now. I mean, it, I guess this is a spoiler in a way, but this movie ends on a cliffhanger because this is part one of its finale, of its big finale. You mean there's going to be a Fast X1? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Or a Fast XI or, you know, Fast Fast 11, too <laughs> Fast 211 series. Yeah, it, it, it just really, the, the action's okay. But you watch this movie, and it just feels like the dumb movie people accuse these movies of peeing. Um, and it, it, just, it just was a real bummer. I did not have a good time with it. Can, can I make a confession? Yes. Absolutely. I didn't see any of the Fast movies. There have been ten of them. I, who knew? I've heard I mean, of them, but I've never seen, I have never seen one of them. I mean, if you're going to watch one, Fast Five is genuinely a really great action movie. Okay. It's really fun, really well mind. assembled. Yeah, and that was the first. That was the last time it really felt like they were tactile. Really felt like they were doing actual stunts, actual car chases. Now, uh, it, it's kind of jumped the shark. I mean, that's the one thing they haven't done yet. They haven't jumped a little shark. <laughs> Maybe shark that's going to be in Fast X One two, three, or whatever it is. <laughs> you know what? Now, next week is when the big summer movies open, and I know you're going to be back with us next Sunday to tell us all about it. The one I'm looking forward to, and it was a moment in Cannes this week, when Harrison Ford stepped forward to say, 
one more time on Indiana Jones. <laughs> that one I can't wait to see, and you're going to talk about that next week. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm rooting for it. I, I, I mean, obviously, Raiders of the Lost Ark. That was a movie during the pandemic that I rewatched a bunch of times. And you just forget how awesome, like, you don't forget, but you just really, you watch that movie and just the shot. Just the Harrison Ford stardom. That is a perfect Hollywood movie. Ah, uh, so I'm yes. hoping they pulled it off again. And let's hope they use that theme song again, too. Matt Miller, media critic and pop culture editor at onmilwaukee.com. It's always great to have you here. Thanks for having me. Let's I'll go, hopefully have good news next week. Yeah, let's go to a matinee of The Little Mermaid together. I'd love to hear your, I'd love to hear your critiques as we'd watch it live. All right, Matt, <laughs> have a good weekend. Take care. It is 8.59, coming up after the news. Ah, oh, it's quite a week for, for Prince Harry. Wyatt, Wyatt and I are going to talk about it. It's all ahead of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. This is Wisconsin's Weekend Morning News with Libby Collins. And we are back for hour two. What an hour it's going to be. A little bit out later, later on, we're going to play some outtakes of my conversation with former Governor Scott Walker. I think you'll find those interesting. He, of course, is our guest this morning on Conversations at 11 o'clock. We've got Wyatt here. Wyatt, you know, well, you know I was sick this week. I had a couple days where, you know, when, you, when, you, when you're not feeling well, you kind of go into this cocoon at home. I don't know if, if, if you're like that. When I, when I feel down, I mean, I, things hit me hard, and I just sort of said, okay, I'm, I'm going to shut myself away. I'm going to, you know, just put my, put my nice warm robe on, and I'm just going to watch a little TV and maybe scroll through the Internet. And it just so happened this was... Wednesday. And all of a sudden, as I'm in my little cocoon bubble, not thinking about anything other than I'm just going to, you know, just not just just kind of sit and relax. This story broke about Harry and Megan in New York City. And and can you just what's all this about? I mean, I kind of watched it because it was live they were covering it live as I was sitting at home with nothing else to do and didn't have anything else to think about. But but what exactly is the controversy about this? Yeah, so they were in New York City to uh, Megan was receiving an award uh, for her work with her charity work with women and girls, and so they went to an award ceremony for that. The pro- the controversy happened after the ceremony. The ceremony itself went fine, but it was after when uh, they were. It seems followed by the paparazzi who were eager to see a picture of the couple. They, the first time they were out in public since the coronation, so which they didn't event. go to, or she yeah. didn't go to. So he went big, to. big event. Yeah. Okay, and uh, they put out a statement later saying, "Okay, okay. but 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 before you get to that, because like I said, I was in my little bubble, and I and I saw pictures where they're walking through." I mean, she's got this beautiful gold gown on. He's all dressed up and everything. They've got all these people around them, security, you know, big buff security looking guys. And they're walking through a Hertz rent-a-car office. They're going into this award thing with Gloria Steinem, you know, whatever. And, And then they're coming out after meeting with Gloria Steinem and getting the big award. And they're going back through this Hertz rent-a-car. Now, I'm thinking to myself... First of all, and there's, there's cameras everywhere, and there's a glass window so the photographers could look through the, the Hertz rent-a-car office to take the pictures. And I'm thinking to myself, for people who, who are saying we're leaving the royal family because we have to have our privacy, this seemed anything but private. We want privacy! We want privacy! Ah, yeah, and I don't know if you saw this South Park parody on that whole thing, uh, there was, there's a little cut from that. that. That ran a couple months ago after the, the book came out because he didn't want anybody to know his private life. But then he wrote a book that told you everything you never wanted to know about his private life. Uh, and, and, and I just don't understand why they were making themselves so out there to begin with. 
And why they didn't stay at a hotel? Yeah, the what I read while looking into this was that they were staying with a friend, and uh-huh. uh, the reason for all this, why they were, why they took such a crazy route, why they were such the the problem with getting back, is they really didn't want that friend's address to be exposed. <laughs> which is which is stupid, because if if you've ever been to New York City, there are celebrities everywhere. I, I used to go to New York quite regularly. I, I saw, I can't even begin to tell you how many celebrities you literally run into in the middle of the street. You nod, you say hello, and you just go on their way. And they just walk around. They're fine. You know, people really don't bother them. And and yet for this, they had to make a big public thing. And, and plus a car chase in New York City, you can't go anywhere in New York City at 10 o'clock at night because of the theater and dinner and 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 tourists. Nothing moves in that city. Yeah, I, I said this on the Jeff Wagner show the day it happened. Uh, it takes you two hours. They were talking about like hours it took. It takes you two hours to go like eight blocks in Manhattan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But but then I guess I, I understand after this all happened, they were they were outraged. So the prince sent a letter to the news agency that hired the photographers where he he won all the pictures, right? Yeah, he wanted he he wanted all copies of photos, videos, and or films. I don't know what the difference between videos and films are, but uh, it was they wanted everything from the photographers that uh, happened after the event. But but if you look at the wording of that statement, it starts out by saying we hereby demand. We hereby demand. Isn't that what they said? We here de- demand that Backgrid immediately provide us with all copies of photos, videos taken by those freelance photographers after we left the event and over the next several hours. They demanded it hereby. Which but, is also funny because, like, that makes sense if it was a legal demand, but if it was just a statement put out, it makes it funnier. Well, e- exactly. And, and and what I loved, as I mentioned, this Backgrid, which was the agency they went after, um, there was a response to the prince from the lawyer of the news agency. And, and would you mind reading that for us? Yes, I will do a dramatic reading. Uh, as, as it goes, it's, they say, perhaps you should sit down with your client and advise them that his English rules of royal prerogative to demand that the citizenry hand over their property to the crown were rejected by this country long ago. We stand by our founding fathers. And by Kate Smith, by golly. We stand by all of them. We will not. We will not. We will not. Give in to the crown. There's got to be a lot of high fives in the office when they came up with that. I think you're right. We're just a minute away from Dominic Catronio in sports. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. The Brewers' road woes continue down in Tampa Bay, taking on the Rays. They fall 8-4 in Game 2 of this three-game series. Now, the Brewers have lost seven of their last nine series overall after winning five of their first six. Here's manager Craig Council. We're in a good position. We've had some adversity. Um, That's how how the season works. Um, And and it's going to be, you know, we're going to have to go through this stretch with with who we got. And, And that's... That's not at full strength, um, but that's that's the way that's the way it's going to go. The Brewers will try to salvage the finale today with Freddie Peralta taking the ball. Coverage starts at 12:05 right here on WTMJ. In the NBA playoffs, the Denver Nuggets have taken a commanding 3-0 series lead over the Lakers with a 119-108 final from the Crypto.com Arena. Jamal Murray once again the story. Murray inside, double team spins, flips it up and in. Jamal Murray with a couple of buckets here in the fourth. Mike Breen on the call from ESPN. Murray finished with 37 points, his second consecutive 30-point performance. Game 5 will be on Monday night from Los Angeles. Tonight, you've got the Celtics and the Heat down in South Beach. Game 3 of that series with Miami currently leading 2-0 against Boston. Tip-off is set for 7.30. How about the NHL playoffs? After a four-overtime matchup between the Panthers and the Hurricanes in Game 1, they go back to overtime again for Game 2. And once again, Matthew Kachuk, the winner. Get it with the puck. Get it. Cross ice. Kachuk scores! He does it again! Matthew Kachuk! 
seconds into overtime. A quick exit down the runway. Kenny Albert on the call on TNT. It's now a 2-0 series lead for the Florida Panthers as their miracle run continues in the Eastern Conference Finals. I'm Dominic Catronio, WTMJ Sports. Thanks a lot, Dominic. It's 9-19. We're up to 63 degrees. Uh, coming up in just a couple minutes, you know, conversations today. We're going to be uh, having our interview with uh, former Governor Scott Walker. But there were some, we, we had such a great conversation. There were some things that aren't going to play later on, but we're going to have them for you. It's coming up right after this. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Going to be a little bit hazy out there, but we are going to get into the low 70s. Uh, Looks pretty nice, actually. 63 is our temperature right now. WTMJ, it's 922. I mentioned earlier this week uh, on Monday, I'd spoken with former Governor Scott Walker. First opportunity I ever had to sit down with him, and he was very candid. I mean, there was not a single question that I asked him that he dodged or, or tried to talk around. He was, he was really delightful to talk with. Um, and we talked longer than we originally anticipated and there's only so much we can get into the WTMJ conversations that we're airing at 11 o'clock this morning but I asked him a couple of other questions that we had to edit out one was about a very controversial topic one other area though that it's going to be more difficult I think for young people to see the light is the issue of abortion Mm -hmm. which is why a lot of young people are voting for Democrats Mm -hmm. How do you adjust their perception of that? You know, it's interesting. Two things on that. One, four or five years ago, actually, this age group was evenly split between those who were pro-life and those who were not. It's, again, part of that shift that you've seen that even the last few years. Here in Wisconsin, I think it's going to be remarkably different than it is across the country. The reason I say that, and very few people have talked about this, you know, the Supreme Court race, if you listen to the ads that the candidate eventually won, you would have thought she gets elected. It's going to go back to Roe v. Wade's abortion on demand all the way through birth. And I'm not a lawyer, but everything I've read and seen in terms of the law is the state Supreme Court, for which she'll be a new member in August, so still a few months from now, really has two legal issues before them. Do they revert back to the law as it was passed in 1849, a year after Wisconsin State, that's 100% prohibition? Or do they, instead of that, say, no, the law is the more updated one, which is about probably seven years ago, maybe seven, eight years ago now, that I signed as governor. It's a 20-week prohibition. I think the likelihood under that scenario. Now, there's nothing to say they couldn't say, well, we're just going to create our own law. But if you, and I don't think this out of the newest justice, but for someone like Justice Ann Walsh Bradley, who's been on the court for quite some time, literally decades, who is probably left of center for sure, but who I still think has a certain amount of judicial restraint that you don't make laws, you decide what the issues are before them. I think someone like her says, I don't, think the law in 1849 is still in effect. I think the law that was passed just a few years ago that I, as governor, signed. Why I tell you all that is not just as an observer what's happened in the court. But if that's the case, I think just purely aside what your beliefs are, whether you're pro-life or not on this issue, strategically, that diffuses that issue, not only amongst younger voters, but overall. Because at that point, you're saying, Okay, halfway through a pregnancy, I think most people, no matter where they're at on the spectrum, most people are like, "Eh, early on, there may be some concerns, even the first trimester. But once you start to get that far into a pregnancy, I think a fair number of people go, okay, I've heard of babies being born 40, 41, 42, 43 weeks in, obviously needing to be in intensive care units and things of that nature. But that's a lot different than in the first few weeks. I'm pro-life. I believe that's an unborn baby. That's my position. But I think strategically, if that were to happen... I mean, I don't have a crystal ball, but as far as I can see, that's the real issue between the two. If it does, then I think at least here in Wisconsin, I'll vary elsewhere in the country, that starts to take that issue off the table. And these are outtakes. These are what you're not going to hear later on this morning. Uh, just didn't have time to get them. And I asked him about his own sons and if they plan to follow in his footsteps. Well, you mentioned kids. Your own son, is he toying with politics in the future? Well, they both quasi. So Matthew, my oldest, is 28. He'll be 29 already in a couple weeks to the end of June. But he's got a place called Walker Digital Media, not too far from here, down on 2nd Street between the 3rd and 5th Ward. He does digital marketing. Most of his clients are traditional business outlets, but occasionally he'll do some political campaigns as well, because a lot of folks want to know how to target people digitally. But the other son worked for Rebecca Clayfish. He worked for Leah Hookmere. He now works for State's 
Senator Julian Bradley. And I wouldn't be surprised definitely with Alex, who's just a year younger than his brother. Alex is getting married. Uh, we're looking forward to our future daughter-in-law, Bailey. We're just with over Mother's Day weekend and love her dearly. But I wouldn't be surprised if Alex someday was in elected office, although for that matter, I wouldn't be completely surprised if Matthew didn't, even though that's not where he's working right now. And finally, I asked uh, the governor, um, why did the Republicans lose in Wisconsin? A lot of people think Tony Evers is somewhat lackluster. Did the Republicans lose that election because they had the wrong candidate running against him? Oh, you can make that argument. I think the number one argument was money. He got outspent. I mean, ironically, in the primary, Rebecca Clayfish got outspent about two to one. In the general election, Tim Michaels got outspent about two and a half to one. And even though I think even most Democrats would acknowledge your assessment, Tony Evers didn't raise that money because he's like some dynamite fundraiser. He raised it because of Donald Trump. People in San Francisco, Los Angeles, New York City, D.C., other places like that, Donald Trump certainly invokes great emotions with our voters and supporters, but equally, if not more so, with the left. And so we saw it in 2020. We saw it again in 2022. The Democrat Party of Wisconsin raised boatloads of money that they then transferred to Tony Evers, similarly what they did with the state Supreme Court race from, you know, Hollywood elite and all sorts of others out there who were literally obsessed with making sure that Donald Trump couldn't win again. And anytime you're a candidate or anytime you're a state party and you say, we are the last step, that's not a, you know, sometimes you say, oh, this is for important for this reason or another. And you think, no, they're just making it up. In their case, they're right. I mean, this is Wisconsin went with Donald Trump in 16, just barely. And he won. Wisconsin went with Joe Biden just barely. And obviously some even disputed those numbers, but just barely. And Joe Biden's the president. And so I think in 2024 and beyond, the person, he or she who wins Wisconsin will probably end up being president of the United States. That affects other races. And right now there's all this pent up frustration on the left that poured literally tens of millions of dollars into the state party's coffers that they then used for Tony Evers. And so, you know, you could add any number of candidates. And I think when you're outspent two and a half to one, it's almost impossible to win. Mm. And Governor Walker had a lot to say about Donald Trump. And, and we revisit that that debate. Oh, yeah. And what was going through his head when a lot of that went down. And you can hear the entire conversation with former Governor Walker this morning at 11 o'clock on WTMJ Conversations. It's 928, 63 degrees at WTMJ. Welcome back to the final half hour of Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. I'm Libby Collins. A little bit later on, we're going to talk about one of my favorite subjects, shoes. Thousands and thousands of shoes. But first, we have Lisa Schiller here from the Better Business Bureau. And Lisa, you know, during the pandemic, a lot of people left their regular job and they started their own business, a lot of them as independent contractors. And I've been hearing from some of them who, you know, just are working with, you know, a client here, a client there, saying, what do you do if you can't get the client to pay an invoice. And, you know, as, a, as the economy tightens, we're seeing more and more small business people and independent contractors facing that problem. Okay, do we have Lisa here? There we go. There we are, Lisa. Okay, go ahead. Good morning, Libby. Yes, we've seen the same thing. A lot of small businesses have opened. Um, a lot of freelancers have begun business as well. And so this is a problem. And we thought, you know, we hear from businesses so often, let's put this in a press release and get that information out there. And by the way, I can stick around and talk shoes as well. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, but I, okay, so how do you start? I mean, especially for people who haven't been in business a long time. Um, you know, you send an invoice, you expect somebody to, to pay for what you just did for them. Right, exactly. And every situation is unique. And what works in one circumstance may not be effective in another. So you have to keep in mind, you know, what you know about your client and use your judgment to decide how to proceed. I would say first, resend your invoices with a polite follow-up message. You know, of course, always include a copy of the original invoice in your email for the client to reference. You know, be professional and courteous. Let them know that the invoice is past due. You're, you know, still waiting for payment. Um, and if that doesn't work, I would say next. Um, reach out by phone or even in person. Um, give your client a call. You know, be friendly, be polite, of course. 
um, you know, let them know that this is still outstanding and it needs to be paid. You know, be a little bit more firm. And then if all of the above fails, I would say, obviously, stop work. Stop working on any pending product uh, projects. And, you know, let the client know that you won't restart the work uh, until you receive payment. All right. And, and I've been in this position where, you know, you do occasional work for somebody. You send them the invoice, and, you know, and under normal circumstances, they send you a check. But then when you have that one, you know, 30 days out, 60 days out, 90 days out, um, when do you have to take the next step? I mean, not every small business person can afford to hire an attorney, because that's going to cost you, in some cases, more than what the client owes you. So is there anything else? Do you have any other recourse? Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of businesses obviously cannot afford to hire an attorney. However, um, and I know this from personal experience in the past as well, you can pay an attorney to send an attorney's letter, which will be, you know, less expensive than actually hiring that attorney, uh, you know, to go further and do more legwork. So you can start with having the attorney send a letter um, to the client and, of course, you know, asking them to, to pay uh, and hoping that that will take care of the problem. Of course, if that doesn't, um, you also have the option to take the client to arbitration. Um, arbitration is faster. It's cheaper than going to court. Um, you're letting the arbitrator, you know, make a final judgment uh, instead of a judge hearing your case. BBB does a lot of arbitrations as well. Um, and, you know, the arbitration's uh, decision, I'm sorry, the decision at the arbitration by the arbitrator um, actually must be enforced the same way that a judge's ruling can. So that might be, you know, less expensive option to go. But, of course, um, you know, if that doesn't work, you know, then you have to consider small claims court. Um, and and the, the price on that, you know, depends. Um, we have a great link in our press release, which is on our website at bbb.org slash Wisconsin. You can actually click on a link and find out what the costs are uh, to go to small claims court. But you might want to start proceedings. And maybe even just the start of proceedings will shake that business into paying. As far as going to small claims court, do you need an attorney to do that? Or can most people file that on their own? You can absolutely file it on your own, for sure. And they'll help you along as well at small claims court. Ah, Lisa Scheller from the Better Business Bureau. Always great to hear from you. And again, let's give that website if you want more information about taking one of those deadbeats and getting your money. Sure, bbb.org. And of course, we have bbb.org slash small business for lots of information and tips for small business owners. Thanks so much. Lisa Schiller from the Better Business Bureau. Always great to hear from you. It's 941 coming up. We're talking shoes. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. These boots are made for walking, and that's just what they'll do. I love talking about shoes. 2,050 shoes. 1,025 pairs of shoes. All donated by Packers running back Aaron Jones. Many of them are going to be on the feet of young athletes in our area very soon. As Jones offered 85 pairs to students at Milwaukee's Audubon Middle and High School in Milwaukee. WTMJ's Tony Cartagena caught up with number 33. Treating people how you want to be treated. A simple hello. Um, you never know what people are going through. So you just taking their time and, you know, being a light in somebody's life can can change change a lot for people. Um, and that's that's all I look to be is just a, a spark or a light for people, a resource. And um, I just believe that's what God's put me here here to do and uh, continue to use my platform to do so. Green Bay Packers running back Aaron Jones is making an impact this offseason, distributing a total of 1,025 shoes to students throughout the state of Wisconsin. I'm going on the field and I'm telling you guys from day one when we run this campaign, hey, I'm not just playing for myself, I'm playing for the community as well. It's part of his Shoes for Yards campaign where he donates a pair of sneakers for every rushing yard he earned on the field last season. You get to see some of the people that you're affecting and meet them, and you get to see the smiles that you put on their faces. It's just big, and it doesn't matter if the effect is big or small. Uh, 
you know, I just made, I made an impact, and that's all I can that's all I can do. So um, I'm gonna continue to do that, continue to strive for greatness, and make an impact in these great communities. Talking to students at Audubon Middle and High School, he called it leveling the playing field ensuring that all kids have equal access to athletic equipment and education. Now it's so common that athletes have, have to go to JUCO or they have to go NAI or schools, uh, smaller schools when they, they've had these D1 offers, but they, they're, not, they're not qualifying or they're not qualifiers. I just feel like athletes sometimes, they, when they get up here in front of kids and stuff, they, when they talk, they, they don't necessarily talk about school, but that's where um, it's, it starts. Maybe it's not something that we want to learn or what's being taught they we will use in the outside life but if this is what you got to do to make it to the next level or get to where you want to do you got to realize that and lock in so i I just want to advocate to them hey school is very important like you (laughs) to get to where you want to go you got to go to school so making a difference and having an impact is something that jones sees as a responsibility a lot of people can get in positions and not use their platform and uh so i just want to use my platform and be a resource into be a resource in the community for these kids um and even the playing field for them you know whatever it may be um be there but be a resource for them the a and a all the way foundation it's always a family affair my mom is very hands-on <laughs> with, with the charity uh you know, and she's always been very hands-on in, in, in my life, whether it's uh, school, sports, and now now this is uh, giving back in the community. And uh, I, I think one of the reasons she's so involved is because it's one of her passions and joys as well, giving back. And that's kind of how we, uh, me and my brother and the rest of my, our family got started to giving back was my parents. So uh, it's the foundation that brought us up, and I found that that's my pride and joy. Tony Cartagena, WTMJ News. Nice job, Tony. It's 946. Looks like it's warming up. We're going to get up to 76 degrees. We're up to 68 at 947 on WTMJ. And we're one minute away from Dominic Catonio and Sports on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. From St. Petersburg, Florida, the Brewers failed to launch behind Eric Lauer in an 8-4 defeat against the Rays. They now dropped the series after Lauer couldn't escape the fourth inning. Command plagued him in this loss as he was reinserted into the starting rotation out of necessity with all the injuries. Manager Craig Council. He faced 17 hitters. I think he threw five first pitch strikes. Um, that's just not enough. I mean, that's just starting starting every at bat or most at bats out in in a hole, really. Um, and and that they're definitely, you know, that's that's the start of problems. On the flip side, Zach Eflin for the Rays. Didn't even have a single three-ball count in his entire outing. He earned the win. Today, first pitch is at 1240. Our coverage will begin at 1205. Freddie Peralta will take the ball for the Brewers before they return home tomorrow. In the NHL playoffs, another day, another overtime winner. Once again, it's Matthew Kachuk, but he's not the whole story. Sergei Bobrovsky, another incredible game between the pipes. Natchez keeps it away from Barkov. Across! Oh! What a stop by Bobrovsky! That call from Kenny Albert of TNT. After earning the win in four overtime on Thursday in which he stopped 63 shots, he stops 37 on Saturday night. Now, the Panthers have a 2-0 series lead. In the NBA playoffs, once again, it was all Jamal Murray. Murray inside, double team spins, flips it up and in! Jamal Murray with a couple of buckets here in the fourth. Mike Breen's call on ESPN. Murray had 37 in the Nuggets' Game 3 win. They now have a commanding 3-0 advantage over the Lakers. Game 4 will be on Monday night in L.A. And good luck to the Milwaukee Admirals today as they will play a do-or-die Game 5 against the Texas Stars down in Cedar Park just outside of Austin. Winner will advance in the Calder Cup playoffs. For WTMJ Sports, I'm Dominic Catronio. Thanks a lot, Dominic. 950, 68 degrees. There is a horrible story coming out of Northwest Indiana this morning. Uh, I want to ask, or not Isaac Wyatt, about that in just a minute. It's all ahead on Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. WTMJ, W277-CV, and WKTI-HD2 Milwaukee. From the Annex Wealth Management Studios, this is News Radio WTMJ, a good karma brand station. It's 953. I'm Libby Collins, Wisconsin Weekend Morning News. Wyatt Barbara Pooley here with me. Wyatt, um, you know, it's 
probably, if you've listened at all, I, I grew up in northwest Indiana. I'm very familiar with that area. And there is a, a story coming out of the lakes of the Four Seasons, which, by the way, is right by, if you go down 8094 or uh, I-65, it's right by Crown Point, just south of Maryville, Crown Point. And uh, this is terrible. It's a very nice area. It's a lake community similar to what you'd find around Pewaukee or Muskego or even Oconomowoc, where a dad and his two teenage kids were looking through their grandfather's belongings. He had passed away and made really what turned out to be a fatal discovery. Yeah, so what they found was uh, what appears to be a World War II-era hand grenade. And uh, somebody pulled the pin, and it exploded. It's not Mm -hmm. known who pulled the pin. Uh, It killed the father. The 17-year-old son and 18-year-old daughter are both in the hospital with shrapnel wounds from the grenade. Uh, And then they had to call the bomb squad in to make sure that nothing else was there. Uh, They were going through their grandfather's belongings. It happened on West Lakeshore Drive. Yeah, well, what's interesting, and my dad served in World War II, and I grew up, we had a hand grenade. Now, my dad, luckily... There was no pin in it, but I can remember my my older brothers playing war, which kids used to do back then. I don't think they do that anymore. Uh, and they had this hand grenade. It was a real hand grenade. So I, I've seen them, and it wasn't unusual for these men who were coming back from World War II had these souvenirs and would bring them back. What's unusual, I think, is that the pin was still in this. Yeah, well, and it's not uncommon for this to happen in terms of these exact scenarios. I've seen, uh, I've, I've already pulled up several news stories where this has happened in Illinois, a couple of places in California where it didn't end up, nobody died, thankfully, but it was the same scenario where a family was going through a older relative who'd served in the war, his belongings, they found a grenade, and uh, sometimes if the pin is in, that's what they do. They call the bomb squad and they detonate it just to right. make sure. Because there is that chance, like it was here, that it could still be live. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I still have friends, relatives in that area, and I've been getting a lot of texts and, and uh, notifications from them this morning about it. I mean, it's, it's, it's a tragedy that something like that occurred. And again, you just don't think. You're going through grandma or grandpa's things, you find something, you don't think that it could be deadly. Yeah, it's. Uh, they may not have even known it was real. They uh, presumably did not think it was live. You know, you, but, but don't you think at some point grandpa would have at least shown his, his son, um, hey, you know, I got this grenade, I've had it from World War II, but don't, don't, pull, the, don't pull the pin on this thing. Yeah, that that's just it's a it's a really sad story. It's it's tragic. All right, Wyatt. Thank you. You'll be back in a couple minutes with the news, and I will be back at eleven o'clock this morning with my conversation with former Governor Scott Walker. You get so animated huh. when you talk about politics. Yeah, I wonder why. You're not out. You're going to run again for something. Aren't I am you? a quarter century younger than Joe Biden, so I got plenty of time. <laughs> All right, but the question I have. Next big race here in Wisconsin is Tammy Baldwin. Yeah. Are you going to run against her? Ah, what's the answer to that question? Well, you'll hear it if you listen this morning at 11 a.m. to WTMJ Conversations. Today we talk with former Governor Scott Walker. He's very, very candid. Answered all my questions. Didn't try to walk around it. I admire that. You can hear it at 11 o'clock today, right after the Acunet Mortgage and Realty Show on WTMJ.